Before history is written, it's played. Before it's frozen in time, it's fought one shift at a time. Before it's etched in silver, it's carved in ice. What happens next will last forever. The Stanley Cup Final on ABC and ESPN Plus begins Saturday. Ladies and gentlemen, boys and girls, children of all ages, the Dean Blundell Network proudly brings to you your favorite NFL podcast on the network, the loudmouth Chris Phillips, the brewmaster Steve Fisher, the Ball Hawks podcast. Welcome back, everybody. Um, We are here on a week where Tom Brady is playing pass with the jugs machine. And we have Gardner Minshew, who is, uh, you know, taking number twos is not an option for him. Where we've, you know, since we know a famous Jaguar personnel member who is a, a frequent fan of the show, we would encourage you to reach out to Gardner Minshew and uh, maybe check his uh his innards for his health reasons uh we're also going to give a quick special birthday shout out to mama phillips i know chris was probably going to do that but i beat you to it so i am now the favorite son um so we are on episode number 22 so we're doing double deuces here i guess Gardner would say, and I'm joined by Christopher Founder Phillips. So is that Founder or Flounder? Flounder. Flounder. Tell me hey, you know I know this one at least. I know that one. Yay! We did it. <laughs> I've got who's it and what's it galore. Thing about Bob's? I've got plenty. <laughs> But I want more. Um, thank you for wishing my mom a happy birthday. I actually, I, I was thinking about it before we came on air, and then I, you hit, you know, play, and I completely forgot. So yeah, happy birthday, mom. Um, you know, had the family over for uh, for a nice birthday dinner. Uh, you know, check out my my meat pictures on on Instagram. I, I posted a really really nice picture of of my meat on there. So go go check it out. Oh my hashtag, goodness, that sounds so horrible. Hashtag meat picks by Chris. Meat um, picks. <laughs> kids cover earmuffs kids. Uh, while Chris <laughs> talks about his meat. Um, of course, you guys can find me over on Twitter at PhillipsChris12. Steve forgot this week. He remembered my mom's birthday, but he forgot his Twitter handle. Priorities. Um, so I'll I'll help him out here at SSFisher87. And, uh, of course, don't forget the podcast account at ballhawks underscore pod. Yeah, uh, I, I honestly thought I'd be the one that would forget the important things like my mother's birthday, but uh, still haven't done that to date. So I'm, I'm pretty happy with that. Uh, glad to be back For- here, you know, after I got to get out camping for a little bit. Uh, you know, I was checked out of I said bye to Twitter land for a little bit. That was kind of nice. Um, and, and I picked Little Mermaid this week because the campground we were staying at had a little like kind of outside theater. And uh, my my son was pretty 
exhausted on night number two and uh, he walked by and it was it was just sitting right there and he was like daddy look and I was like oh yeah this this will have him nice and mellow and I was like oh look I haven't used flounder yet this is perfect I'm, I'm working on holidays that's awesome yeah. That's uh, it. Sounds like a good, a good little, little, uh, good little campsite. Nice little, you know, out, outdoor. I assume. Yeah. Movie watching and yeah, um, yeah, good way to you know be outside but still keep the kids kind of nice and nice and calm and mellow. Um, you mentioned the Brady thing. How ridiculous was that? Yeah, I, I was kind of looking today, and it it seems like some people were skeptical that it was real, and some people. To me, it looked like he was maybe, I don't know what, like 10, 15 yards away. And you see them at those skills competition and they're hitting those tiny little targets from like 30. So um, was there maybe a little bit of like cutting and pasting with video clips? Did he try a couple? I don't really care. I believe that he actually did that. And I believe it's freaking cool that you can play like you're that good that you can play pass with the jugs machine. Um, But just just wild how how accurate just, those guys are and just enjoy things like i i'm you know usually fairly skeptical myself like i i, I question a lot yeah. um but i saw that and the first thing i thought of was like oh my god like that is the most ridiculous thing i've ever seen like there wasn't any like even still now like like you said a lot of people are like oh it's cgi and i'm like like just enjoy it like just i don't know like just it, it's one of those ones that for a second. Yeah, it's one of those ones where it's not out of the realm of possibilities. Like it's not exactly. so far fetched that I'm like, no chance. The first thing I thought of was just like, wow, that's pretty, pretty darn cool. So yeah. you know what? I'm going to just let that happen in, in my cerebellum. It, it, it's not like, uh, you know, Mr. Perfect throwing a touchdown pass to himself. Like clearly <laughs> that was CGI. <laughs> Yeah. Um, you know, Tom Brady throwing a ball into a jugs machine and having the jugs machine shoot the ball back out. It's like you said, it's it, it's believable. Um, but also, how about his face looking like uh, Courtney Cox with too much Botox? Yeah, it, it's funny because uh, the first time I saw that clip was my wife sending me uh, the Instagram story because I'm not on like you run our our Ballhawks Instagram. Uh, I'm not on Instagram. And so she sent it to me and I was like. First thing I thought of was like, yes, I'm starting to convert my wife a little bit. The second thing I thought of, because she said, she was like, his face doesn't move at all. And I was like, <laughs> yeah, he, he's got some he's got some work done to him. Well, uh, I mean, he had to he had to make sure he looked nice for the for the ring presentation this week. Right. And, and I kind of just like how he does it. And he's just got this little like, you know, like cocky smirk on his face as he walks away and just a little let's go. And just kind of like walks off into the sunset. And I, you know what? So many years of just hating him in New England because he would ruin the chance of the Ravens getting to the Super Bowl a lot of the times. Um, And just having to face him so many times and he whines. And now that he's out of the conference and it's like we're only going to see him once in a blue moon. I love this new Tom Brady. I love the new Tom Brady who's like a little arrogant he gets drunk on boats and throws the Lombardi trophy from boat to boat. Like I, he's calling people like MRFers, you know, for passing on him and free agency. I, I just love this newfound Brady where he's, he's free to be this kid again. Like he, what is he? 42, 43 years old. And he seems like he's a like young 20 year old. I love it. 
Yeah, I, I saw a funny tweet today. It was like, sign of maturity is is uh, being able to cheer for Tom Brady. <laughs> yes, I'm getting into an adult now. <laughs> yeah, yeah, right. And like, and I've I've totally like I I've kind of you know passed that threshold as well, where it's like, stop hating on the guy, and I guess just appreciate the greatness for what it is, because we're not going to see this again. Right. Like there's so many greatness athletes that we have seen in our generation that uh, some people lived and died watching sports and never got to witness it. Like, you know, you you're pretty into the Olympics right now. And I've seen clips of that, uh, that four by 100 of Usain Bolt, you know, taking it for Jamaica. And like, I, I started thinking about all of these great, like all time sport, great athletes that we have been lucky enough to see like we've seen the Mike Trout we've seen Michael Jordan and LeBron James and Kobe Bryant we've seen you know tail end of Wayne Gretzky of you know of Sidney Crosby Um, we're seeing uh, Tom Brady now like we're seeing so many of the best that ever played the game and we're like yeah I, I just don't care enough now to be angry at Tom Brady where I'm like man like if the Ravens aren't in it, maybe I do want to see Brady win another one. Like, I, I want to witness this greatness so I can be that crotchety grandpa being like, oh, yeah, you think that guy's the greatest? I got to watch Tom Brady in his prime. <laughs> Throwing rocks from my my rocker at kids on the porch. Q five years from now and Steve is not a grandpa, <laughs> but he's just crotchety telling his son who's, you know, his son's like, oh, my God, Dad, did you see Justin Herbert? And you're like. Well, son, like he's okay, but he's no Tom Brady. Yeah, and he, he's hitting me up with all these advanced metrics. I'm like, no, 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 the eye test. Like I saw him, and yeah. eh, I don't care. Forget about your that. fancy numbers. <laughs> <laughs> I once did a podcast with this guy, and he said he didn't believe in those fancy numbers. Yeah. <laughs> uh, uh, did you did you see the rings? Yeah, they're pretty cool. Like, and, <laughs> and then obviously like a... somebody does the like all 10 of his fingers and like the three that are missing is like Nick Foles, Eli Manning and Eli Manning. I thought that was kind of clever too. Like, yeah. Yeah. They, they, I, I saw another one where it's like, you know, looks like a doorknob on the guy's hand. They're so big. And I'm like, <laughs> like I saw a couple of people being like, Oh, like they're so gaudy and they're too big. Like they're so big. You can't even wear them. Like guys aren't wearing them every goddamn day. Anyway, yeah, like, what make are they them worth, as big like... as you want and as flashy as you want. Like, that's what they should be. He's got like what probably at least two million dollars worth of rings on his hands. Like, oh, oh, yeah, he's just going to walk around those and wait for somebody to like, you know, cut them off with a machete or something to, to get rich. <laughs> like Nobody's nobody's walking around with Super Bowl rings all the time. So make them as no. big as you want. You might only ever win one. Make it as big as possible. Absolutely. Um, so we had a really big busy week around the NFL. Um, we're kind of getting past those dog days of summer. So there there's lots to talk about. And one of the first ones I wanted to talk about, cause I know you're going to want to talk about this is the Jamal Adams news. So why don't you fill us in on what was going on there in Seattle? Yeah. Um, I think it was, I want to say Rapp- Ian Rappaport with NFL Network that was that reported on it the other day. Um, if it wasn't him, it was someone else from NFL Network, anyways. But I'm I'm fairly confident it was him that um, 
if it's like, you know, like breaking Seahawks are willing to make Jamal Adams the highest paid safety in the NFL. And first of all, I'm like, well, yeah, no kidding. Like, I, <laughs> actually, I, I didn't say no kidding. I said uh, um, a, a different word. Potty it word. was uh, it was a potty mouth word. Yeah. And uh, we have kids listening to this show. Um, but <laughs> but like, no kidding. Like, of course, you're going to make Jamal Adams the highest paid safety in the league. Like Jamal Adams has wanted to be the highest paid safety in the league since he demanded the trade out of New York. Yeah. The minute the, C- the Seahawks traded for Jamal Adams, they knew they were going to have to make Jamal Adams the highest paid safety in the NFL, whatever that ended up being. Like, that's what they probably that's why they should have extended him last year before we even reached this point. Um but then it also, um, you know, the sentence continued and says, wants to make him the highest paid safety in the NFL. However, they don't want to make him the highest paid defender on the Seattle Seahawks. Mm-hmm. They want to keep that um, that designation, that honor um, with, with Bobby Wagner, who is currently being paid $18 million per season. Um, so I guess that kind of puts, I mean, Jamal anywhere in that, probably 15 to 17 range. Some people are saying 15 to 16. Um, I don't know. Like that does make me a little bit nervous. Um, I think I said, you know, early on in our podcasting venture here that I, I would see him probably around that 18 to 20 or 18 Mm -hmm. to 19 per year range for, for Jamal, of course. Um, But if the Seahawks want to keep Bobby as the highest paid defensive player on the team and and not have Jamal it does I guess kind of put them in in limbo a little bit I still think the deal gets done and even if they do pay him more than Bobby they can always extend Bobby um another year or two and and you know say like okay like we paid Jamal this much we want to make you the highest paid defender on the team still let's pay you this much more um I mean especially after Fred Warner just got paid in San Francisco I'm sure Bobby's going to be looking for a little bit more here soon too do you think that part of the reason the Seahawks management wants to keep Bobby as the highest paid player because of the things that are happening in uh, Miami you know you have you have one player who thinks they're the best defensive player on the team. So they want to be paid like the best defensive player on the team. Like, do you, do you think that there's going to be a butting of heads between Bobby and Jamal, depending on whether Jamal surpasses or does not surpass Bobby's current contract? I think Jamal cares about that more than Bobby does. If I'm being perfectly honest. Um, I mean, not to speak, for either one, of course, but Jamal's always been the the more vocal one, the more outspoken one, the more, you know, again, he demanded the trade out of New York. He wanted a new contract. I mean, he was, what was it, uh, three years into his rookie contract and he was yeah. demanding a new contract already, right? Um, so I, I think Jamal cares about that a lot more than Bobby does. You don't really ever hear um, Bobby complain. You don't really ever hear Bobby um say anything in the media like i want a new contract i'm not paid enough money i mean he may say it behind closed doors which is fine and of course anything can happen we saw it with cam chancer cam chancer was very much the same way very quiet very you know behind closed doors um and then all of a sudden he was holding out for for a new contract there right so anything can happen but yeah i think jamal cares about that stuff a lot more than bobby does 
Yeah, and I, I do remember when we were talking way back about where you saw Jamal getting in terms of contract, and I do remember you saying that 18 to $20 million range. Uh, we have the Broncos paying Justin Simmons as the highest paid safety at 15.25 per year. And maybe that's why contract negotiations are stalling because usually when you set the new market at your position, it's usually not three more million per year than the next guy. Uh, that would be a massive uh, resetting of the safety market. You know, we're not talking about whether he deserves it or not. We're talking about, what the numbers say and what the history would suggest. So maybe that's where the Seahawks have started that conversation about like, okay, yeah, we, we have no problem. We believe you're the best safety in the league. There's Justin Simmons sitting at 15.25. So, you know, we're willing to offer you 16 per, and then there's sort of a hiccup between, well, Bobby's making 18. Uh, I feel like I'm going to be the new face of the franchise for the next 10 years. Uh, again, probably speaking more like his agent trying to get him as much money as he can. Uh, so yeah, I, I can't remember. I'm, I was trying to, th as you were talking there, I was trying to think back to what I said I thought he would get. And I thought somewhere in the 17 to 18. So we'll, we'll have that, to see where that. Right. Yeah. But it, it I mean, of course, even more the, sense when the, you want to pay I guess Bobby the, more. the wild card is of course, Jamal doesn't view himself as a safety. He views himself as a weapon and, um, it, it, again, I guess we'll see how, how that plays out in negotiations, but I, I think Jamal, um, contract done or not, I, a lot of people think the contract will get done this week. Yeah. Um, but I, I think he shows up to training camp regardless. Yeah. And you made a really good point to start this off when the Seahawks acquired him from the Jets they knew they were going to have to make him the highest paid safety. Any team that was going to give up that much compensation for a player of any position uh, who was being vocal about being the top paid safety knew that's what they were going to have to do or they would lose him. So I, I don't think the Seahawks are, you know, flabbergasted that he wants to be the highest paid safety. But I, I think if he wants to be paid more than Bobby Wagner, I would say there's not a chance that he resets the market by over $3 million of a, a position that has, you know, capped out at 15 per year. So again, we'll have to see yeah. where that goes, but usually they beat it by like maybe a million at the most. Um, yeah. Maybe he gets a 16.5 per year, but even like 17, 18, that's even seeming like a reach the longer these talks go. Yeah. And kind of my, my last word on it here is um, I really like Jamal Adams, um, but he's not more important to that defense than Bobby Wagner is. Bobby Wagner is the most important player on that defense. And that's why the Seahawks probably want to keep him as the top play, top paid player on that side of the ball. And uh, you know, Jamal Adams is good. He's really good. Um, but he's not Bobby Wagner and he doesn't control and captain that defense. Uh, and I don't think he ever will. Interesting. So, no, never. No, I don't. I, no, I don't see Jamal ever captaining that defense. He's not going to be the guy with the green sticker on his helmet. He's not going to be the guy right. to make sure, you know, players are, are, are in position. 
I think once Bobby is done, um, that designation will probably go to someone like uh, maybe a Jordan Brooks, uh, maybe even someone like a Cody Barton, depending on on how he progresses this season and and you know in in the future. Um, you know Jamal is again he's he's really good at what he does. I just I don't see him. I don't view him in that position. Interesting. Okay. Um, let, let's shift gears a little bit, not to a specific team or player, but uh, you had brought this again, I being out of, I guess, internet. Well, there was internet there, but I being camping, I usually try to turn my phone off for as much as I can. Um, and I, you had, I, I, pr- I purposely left you alone while you were camping. There's yeah. so much going on. And I, I wanted know. to text you every time, but I was like, Nope. You know, when I got back, time? it was like, hey, we got to talk about this. Hey, we got to talk about this. And I was like, okay, dog <laughs> yeah. days of summer are officially over in the NFL. Let's yeah. go. I bombarded you when you got yeah. back. Um, so give uh, our listeners a little rundown of kind of these new NFL COVID-19 protocols. There was kind of a bombshell dropped on teams, I guess, right? Uh, yeah, um, I guess. Yeah. Um, shortened version is... The NFL has no intentions of having a week 19 this year. Um, If a game has to be rescheduled, it has to be rescheduled within the 18 week season. Um, And if it's not going to be rescheduled within the 18 week season, um, the team that is responsible for the outbreak will be forced to forfeit the game. Uh, there's a couple other things in there. I mean, it, it, yeah, forfeit the game. Um, there, there's so, there was so much to, to unwrap on all of that. The biggest one that, that caught my eye though, is that, um, if a game is canceled, abandoned, forfeited, wh- whatever you want to call it, regardless of what team is responsible, um, nobody gets paid. Oh, I didn't see that one. That nobody gets paid On both teams don't get paid hmm. and i mean a lot of people are like like how can the nfl do this how can they mandate vaccine like you know saying that the nfl is basically trying to mandate the vaccine which i mean yeah you know what the nfl yeah. probably is trying to mandate the vaccine because they're the employer and they yeah. can tell their employees what they need to do to report to work um but it's more than that right like it's it's not even a the NFL is not taking a, a anti-vax versus pro-vax stance. The NFL is pro-money. Yeah, they're not going to. Yeah. They're not. They're not going to lose money the way that they did last year, and that's basically what these mandates are doing. Is is it's the NFL protecting themselves and their asset to make sure that they are as profitable as they can possibly be for this upcoming season because. They, I mean, I, I want to say they can't afford to lose more money. I mean, they can. Let's not be silly, but um, th- th- they don't want to lose more money. Right. The NFL is all about making money. And uh, if you think there's anything more to their agenda than money, you are sadly mistaken. Uh, the, the first actually one of the first things I saw when I came back into reality land was uh, my buddy Kyle sent me a screenshot of Tom Pelissero texting. This would have been as I was actually still in Kelowna getting ready to leave for camping. But it said, uh, sorry, this was Thursday at 
10.08 a.m., the NFL just informed clubs that if a game cannot be rescheduled during the 18-week season in 2021 due to a COVID outbreak among unvaccinated players, the team with the outbreak will forfeit and be credited with a loss for playoff seedings per sources. So that'll be really interesting in terms of the NFL trying to reschedule. Cause I didn't hear the other part of it that like, no, there's not going to be a, a week 19 game to, to deal with any sort of rescheduling. If we can't reschedule in the 18 weeks, you'll get a loss. That's where I see a massive, massive issue because the teams with the, the buys that kind of line up nicely are going to kind of get, get bailed out. And the teams that don't get a buy are not going to get bailed out. So then it's basically up to like the NFL's discretion of whether they are uh, going to take the time and energy and effort and money to reschedule it. Like, I feel like they should have just had a blanket statement that was like, if your team has unvaccinated players that cause an outbreak, you will just forfeit the game. Because I, I think I, I was trying to go back and look for it. Um, my buddy Kyle sent me a message about the NCAA is also doing that. So college football first started the trend that if you're unvaccinated, uh, you forfeit your game. And I, I think that's, again, I, I don't really care what people do with their own lives. I think we've made it pretty clear our stance on whether you should be vaccinated or not. But if you are against it and you are the cause of an outbreak, yeah, I, I do think there's a, a repercussion or a consequence to every action. And that's going to be that action uh, for not having your players vaccinated. Now, with that being said, I was reading one earlier today. Uh, I wish I think it was more. Here it is. More than 78% of players across the league have had at least one dose of the vaccine and 14 teams have topped the 85% threshold, which is super good news uh, in terms of, you know, these players are obviously looking into it or believing in the science and going through with it, or maybe they're reluctantly going through it. But the key thing is more and more teams are starting to get vaccinated. Yeah, I, I think the Seahawks are over 90%. Um, I know I saw DJ Reed tweet something the other day where um, because of this new mandate, he reluctantly went and got vaccinated. Um, it's If that's what it takes for you to be safe, yeah, you're welcome. He Inadvertently, right? he you're welcome. Yeah, he doesn't want to be the one to, you know, be responsible for his team having to forfeit a game like that. That's, that's a big deal. Like that can, that can really affect obviously long-term out, you know, outcome for your, for your team. Um, but also I saw that another could thing ruin, today where it's that like, could totally ruin the like dynamics in your locker room. Like, yeah. yeah. I saw another one today where um, apparently players at training camp, if you're vaccinated, you get a red uh, wristband if you're unvaccinated you get a yellow wristband um which is just crazy that they're actually oh. identifying the unvaccinated versus the vaccinated uh cole beasley's gonna have like a, a whole entire arm of yellow <laughs> wristbands i heard uh maybe two sleeves of yellow wristbands I, i'm not quite sure yet 
Um, okay, but, did uh, you see it, the thing that Mark Cuban tweeted out to Cole Beasley? <laughs> do, yes. Do you have that up? Uh, I can. Or do I can you find remember really kind quick. of what it was? It was absolute gold of a response. So well, I pull that up here um, really quick. I also wanted to just mention I, I saw a, a thing today um, about uh, you know kind of the I guess the the the, the back end players, the the fringe players, the guys that are you know maybe vying for for a workout spot. Um, so uh, an NFL team called today interested in working out and signing a free agent client. When they found out he wasn't vaccinated, they were no longer interested. <laughs> the rules the NFL implemented in reality mandate the vaccine for back-end roster-type players. And then, I guess, Terrell Pryor is one of those currently free agent players um, that says he had a visit lined up, but only if he gets vaccinated. But he's not still not sure if he wants to get that, the, the vaccine. So it's like... Hmm. Yeah, so I th- just those, don't those... know how right now you can't be sure. Like, I, I, I don't know if it's uh, negligence, if it's uh, skepticism. Like, I don't know what it could be, but I feel like this far into this whole song and dance, you should either know whether you're like, no, I'm not getting it or I've already got it. You know, like yeah. there's so much and, information and, and, out there. And that's like, we're not saying like, you should know by now that you should get it. Like, don't be so wishy-washy. Like, you know, oh, I still haven't decided. Like, okay, like, no, like, <laughs> don't be wishy-washy. Are you getting it or not? Yes or no. Like, it, it's not, you're an adult, make an adult decision, right? Yeah. Um, I, I've got the, the Mark Cuban okay. thing up here. So so Beasley said, um, <laughs> so sorry, I'm, I'm seeing actually more information about this than I realized. Beasley, in a response to a tweet from Pro Football Talk, saying players who get vaccinated should no longer be tested for marijuana as an incentive, said, I'll get vaccinated and be an advocate for it if Pfizer puts a percentage of its earnings from the vaccine in my wife's name. Enter Mark Cuban. In response, (laughs) Mark Mark Cuban tweeted back, I'll tell you what, Cole, you get vaccinated and promote vaccination on all your socials. I'll buy your wife a share of Pfizer stock. It pays a 3.78% dividend. (laughs) That way she is getting a percentage of Pfizer's earnings. Deal? And, of course, uh, Cole Beasley um, being the, I don't don't care who I, if I offend anybody, Cole Beasley being the coward that he is. Uh, didn't respond to Mark Cuban, of course. Nothing. Yeah, I saw that and I was like, oh, I what a perfect response. Like, OK, is that what you want? You, you just want money from Pfizer? Like, OK, here it is. I'll buy your especially wife, from I'll buy your wife a from, share of it. That's fine. But you've got to like hold your end up of the bargain up. Yeah. If that's what's holding you back, let's give you a little bit of money. Get vaccinated. Get your wife vaccinated. Promote that you should get vaccinated. Here you go. Balls in your court, bud. Yeah, especially coming from Mark Cuban. Like I can tweet that at Cole Beasley, and it doesn't mean anything. Yeah. Because like I don't even know what a, a stock in Pfizer costs. Like I, I have no idea, right? I, I don't know uh, anything about stocks or what that means. I just can assume that it would make you a bunch of money. Yeah. Yeah. But like, if I tweet that, it doesn't mean anything. I've, I, uh, you know. That's so not, funny. 
I, I maybe have enough money to buy myself some Pfizer stocks. Not, not buying Cole Beasley any. Yeah. Coming from Mark Cuban, I mean, we all know Mark Cuban can can afford to buy Cole Beasley a you know couple stocks in Pfizer Just and so funny. it not mean anything. Yeah. Uh, okay, there's one other big elephant in the room that we have to chat about with the NFL here. Um, again, I'm going to let you take the lead on this since you kind of saw some of this unfold over the weekend here. But obviously, there's some Aaron Rodgers drama continuing. I heard there's a little bit of Devonte Adams drama in there. I also saw a picture of David Bakhtiari and Aaron Rodgers working out together. Um, so there's clearly some Green Bay Packer drama going on. Fill us in. Oh, I thought we were going to talk about uh, Sean Watson. Oh, no. I hope he doesn't play. <laughs> <laughs> um, I, I guess quick tidbit. Apparently he's reporting to training camp. But anyways... I just wanted to do that because you told me we weren't going to talk about it. Yeah. Um, it doesn't interest me whatsoever. I hope he, I hope he gets there and they're like, actually, go home. Go home, Deshaun. Go home. You're probably unvaccinated, too. He would love that because then they, he, he would still have to get paid if the team sent him home. Yeah. True. Um, man, where do I even start with the Packers? Like, I don't even know where to begin. Like, what an absolute poop show. <laughs> In, in Green Bay, Wisconsin right now. like Green, I think, Green Bay Packer fans are at each other's damn throats. Like, we obviously had our friends from Pass the Cheese podcast on episode 12. I, I can't believe that was 10 episodes ago, Chris. Uh, so, um, middle of May, we had uh, Dave and Jay on to talk everything Packers. This is when the Aaron Rodgers you know, saga was kind of just ramping up and we're like, yeah, we got these two like big time Packers guys with some insider info, whether some people on Twitter land believe them or not. Um, that was an absolute garbage fest too. Um, but yeah, we had them on middle of May and I thought, wow, perfect timing. And it has just gotten crazier and crazier and wilder. And then this happens and then that happens. So like, yeah, we we uh, th those boys might have to come past the cheese again on uh, on the Ballhawks podcast, and uh, pretty pretty soon here with all of the uh, all of the I, I don't know melted cheese that's happening right now. Like yeah. I, I think the week I think the fondue. week started with um, was it the Devonte Adams contract or you know non contract I guess like uh, he he's only got one year left on his contract right now. Uh, contract talks with uh, between him and the Packers have broken off um, because they are too far apart at this time. And apparently the Packers don't want to make Devonte the highest paid receiver in the NFL, which I mean, just Gutekunst, I mean, Gutekunst is is clearly just I don't like what does he have between his ears? Like it, it's you got to question it at, at, at this point. Um so, I mean, that was, I guess, the, the first big news. Um, Zadarius Smith tweeted the other day, like, uh, I, I, I need a realtor quick, y'all, or some, something <laughs> along those lines. So not looking good there. And then, like, reading, uh, I, I guess, diving deeper into that, um, the, the Packers had 
uh, an option in his contract to, um, I guess, basically like push money from this year into next year. Um, so like right now, I think his his cap hit for next year is something like twenty eight million dollars, which clearly he's getting cut after after this season unless he signs some sort of extension before next March, um, because the the Packers aren't going to commit twenty eight million dollars to Zadarius Smith as good as he may be. Um, and then I mean, Jesus Christ, Aaron Rodgers. Like so, the first okay. thing I saw about hold, it. Hold all, on, before you do the Rodgers thing, are you? Are you going to bring up the last dance in Instagram posts as well? Because I think that happened a little bit before whatever. I'm getting there. Okay. I I thought you were off on your timeline. I was like. (laughs) No, no, no. I'm getting there. No, no, no. We're we're getting there. I'll trust that you're Um, not stupid this one time. So then Aaron Rodgers. um, So I I think it started. The news started with um, all of the sports books took off any Packers futures betting. You can you cannot oh. currently bet on uh, the Packers uh, win loss record for oh. next season. And a lot of people are speculating that's because Aaron Rodgers is going to retire this week. <laughs> no way. Yeah. So a lot of people are speculating that Aaron Rodgers is going to retire instead um, of missing saw, training camp. Yeah, that's that's in, the implications of, there. Instead of opting out um, like he could have and still got paid instead of, you know, pulling, I guess, going the Brett Favre route, right? Hmm. Retire next year, um, you know, put in his uh, paperwork to come back and force a trade that way next season. Um, but yeah, that that's the, the, the first rumor I saw okay. regarding Rodgers. I, I saw a report today. Um, saying he's looking for a two-year, $90 million guaranteed contract. Um, That seems like a bargain for an MVP. Yeah. Um, And then, of course, uh, we we saw what what Dave tweeted there as well from from Pass the Cheese about um, the Packers last year after the Chargers drafted Herbert. uh, The Packers uh, offered Aaron Rodgers in a trade to acquire Justin Herbert. And when that didn't happen, Jordan Love was kind of their, their backup plan. Um, and then, yeah, the, as you uh, mentioned, the, the last dance Instagram post. Um, so both uh, Devonte Adams and Aaron Rodgers posted on Instagram, a picture of Michael Jordan and Scotty Pippen uh, kind of, you know, fist bumping each other, um, I, th- I think it's an image from their last season together, um, which led to a lot of speculation where it's like, you know, was last season the last dance? Is it, is Rogers actually retiring? Um, is this upcoming season going to be the last dance where, you know, after this season, Rogers is going to go, you know, wherever he ends up, Devontae Adams is going to go wherever he ends up. Um, yeah. And, and there's so also much, like, the, I guess, underlying message in that post you know, if you were following any sort of Packers news about uh, Rogers and not his teammates, but upper management, uh, particularly uh, general manager Brian Gutekunst, uh, I guess Rogers in a team group chat had referred to Gutekunst as uh, the Jerry Krause of the NFL. And if you know anything about bulls history or you even just watch the netflix documentary on the last dance 
Um, obviously, Jerry Krause kind of, you know, split the band up. Like, was the the Yoko to the Bulls, right? Like, s- split <laughs> the team up. And so there's kind of like that underlying message that uh, Rogers is saying it again that he dislikes or is unhappy with me. I, I think there's no secret now that Rogers, it can be confirmed that he is choked at management for whatever the reason is like the, the report that you said about two years, 90 million guaranteed. Uh, I, I didn't hear about that one, but I did hear that he was going to be, or he declined being the highest paid quarterback uh, in the league. So Clearly, money is not at the forefront of these discussions, but just absolutely wild. Like, I I don't know how many weeks ago I said, as crazy as all this drama is, I still fully expect Aaron Rodgers to be a Green Bay Packer uh, in, in the 2021 opening game for the Green Bay Packers. I don't know if... Let's say I was 95 certain, 95% certain on my comments that he was going to be a Packer. Let's say I'm somewhere around the 60 to 50% marker now. Like there's just too much stuff going on there um, to discredit it and say, yeah, he's going to be a Packer. But I heard the last thing was that he or the the Packers were looking for compensation in the three firsts and a second round pick uh, compensation for him uh, to move him, right? Because I, I, I think, I think most GMs are smart enough to say that any player is expendable for the right price. So like, you know, we talk about this in fantasy football all the time. Uh, let's just use me having uh, Christian McCaffrey, for example. I, I don't want to trade Christian McCaffrey. But if somebody comes up to me in our league today and sends me a message and says, hey, I'll give you my next five first round picks, five years of first round picks, if you trade me McCaffrey. Okay? Uh, yeah, like every player is available for the right price. So, you know they would trade him in a heartbeat if they got the compensation. I think they're just having a hard time finding a suitor who wants to give up that much draft capital for a guy who's nearing 40 years old. I was going to say three first round picks. That's a lot to pay for a guy that's going to be 38 this year, right? Yeah. And, and I think, you know, um, the Rich Eisen show, which I watch or sorry, listen to quite a bit, they have mentioned this many times that Tom Brady has really ruined a lot of things for quarterbacks and for evaluations going forward. Because if you're a team trading for a guy in his late 30s, you're like, no, I'm not giving up, you know, you know, four high caliber, low cost effective players. But then Green Bay's argument is, well, Tom Brady is in his, what is he, 42, 43 years old, and he just brought his team and won a Super Bowl. So you've got another five years left with this guy. Like, you're, we're not asking for, we're actually giving you guys a deal at three firsts and a second because he's got an MVP under his pocket too. So, yeah, just a lot of crazy things going on. We might have to have the boys back on. 
Um, I might have to get out my editing skills again for all the swears that those two guys will come up with if we are throwing some Packer drama around. Yeah, Jay, cut your potty mouth. (laughs) (laughs) It's okay. He has to edit me sometimes too. That's right. Okay, uh, this week, uh, last week for our third down, we finished our phase three of the MCU uh, by Jake Vogel. That one was a ton of fun. I think that was like your Super Bowl of third downs. You you'd mentioned <laughs> it on Twitter, you know, as soon as we finished recording, you're like, sorry, man, I know that went a long time, but I just had to keep talking about it. So we finished I, up I phase three. That was tons of fun. Uh, do you want to, you, you'd mentioned to me what third down is going to be. We're going to deviate from our usual matchup base again. Uh, but you had a really cool theme for third down. So I, do you want to let everyone know what it is? Yeah. Um, we need to bring Jake on just to hear Jake's rankings of the MCU. Um, I, 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 I was talking to him the other day on, on Twitter there and, and he's, uh, all for it. So we, should definitely bring him on here pretty soon um, while it's still kind of top of mind and discuss his rankings. And um, we can both make fun of you for not liking Guardians of the Galaxy. Um, <laughs> I guess really quickly before we go into the third down this week um, to just quickly, quickly, really quick. MCU, what is your number one in the MCU? All all three phases. Oh, you want me to answer that? Yeah, yeah. Really uh, man, look at you put me on the spot. Uh, I'm going to go with Infinity War for all the reasons I said last week. I just that was that movie actually made me go back and watch a ton of the other ones because I that one got me so invested. So, yeah, I'd go Infinity War. Yep, that that's fair. I mean, it's kind of your your first introduction to like pretty well the entire universe all of the characters together yeah um my number one is actually iron man really it it started the whole thing yeah without the without the success of that movie we wouldn't even have infinity war end game what have you so that's true um, and it's super rewatchable right like you can go back and, and rewatch it and it, it still holds up really well agreed um Anyways, uh, this week's third down. Yeah, we're we're deviating uh, from our our matchup based third down again. I mean, it's the third down. We can really it, it's our show as well, so we, we can do whatever we want. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> it's our show. Um, but yeah, after I, I, I don't know if it's after last week's show or how it kind of came about, but I texted Steve last week and I was like, hey, it would be really fun to put together, uh, you know, a starting 11 offense defense um all time for the seahawks and the ravens of course i'm going to do the ravens and steve's going to do the seahawks um (laughs) not even a reaction from you are you even listening no there's no way i would have done that (laughs) you would have been so embarrassed by my picks i would have just like i would have picked all players from like probably 2012 and on 22 yeah um so yeah so that's that's what we're going to do on the third down um for the next couple next two weeks here um this work this week we're going to do the all-time starting 11 offense uh and next week uh you'll hear us uh do the defense um so with that as always third down steve are you ready i'm ready let's go third down 
All right, buddy. You're going first. Okay. Uh, or do, do, do you want to? Sorry, I guess. Sorry, um, I, I I know I say the third down's my segment, but I'll, I'll collaborate with you a little bit here. Okay. Do you want to go all eleven, then I'll do my eleven, or do you want to do a back and forth thing? Uh, let's do all eleven because I'm pretty sure okay. uh, we, you know, we have not conversed on this at all. So I'm guessing your starting eleven might have a different personnel package. Uh, we didn't talk about how many wide receivers were we including what uh so to start mine off i actually went with a uh two wide receiver one tight end one fullback and one running back uh set there obviously the ravens have been uh throughout the history a pretty solid running first team going way back so uh a lot of very tough decisions for me starting. Let's start right at quarterback. Uh, there's really two choices. Did you pick Flacco or did you pick Lamar Jackson? I picked Lamar Jackson. Uh, Flacco has the accolades behind him in terms of bringing his team to a Super Bowl. He had an incredible Super Bowl run. Lamar has the MVP. Lamar is still on a rookie contract. And, you know, I don't think we've seen even a hint of what this kid can do. So I picked Lamar as my quarterback, uh, my running back. Here's where I might take a little flack from Ravens nation. And again, like if you guys are listening to this and you're like, you're stupid, Steve, how could you have picked that guy? Uh, please feel free to put me on uh, alert on Twitter. I picked Ray Rice as my running back. And so a lot of people would have picked Jamal Lewis um, you know, rushing for over 2000 yards. I just think because of all the negative attention that Ray Rice deservedly got, um, not trying to sugarcoat that part of it from a PR standpoint, I would not have picked him. Uh, but his last year with the Ravens, he was only 26 years old. He was just getting into like, he still had five, six more years of big productive years left. Uh, he, had almost 10,000 all-purpose yards in six years. He had uh, one year where he had 78 receptions. He had a second year where he had 76 receptions. He was the wildest dual threat running back we had seen quite possibly since LaDainian Tomlinson. Um he was putting up touchdowns uh, his 2014 year. He had 15 touchdowns. He had 1,364 rushing yards and another 704 receiving yards. Like he was, he was unbelievable from just a pure football perspective. He was absolutely unbelievable. Uh, and like I said, he only played until he was 26 where uh, Jamal Lewis obviously went to Cleveland after and played until he was 30. So I have Ray Rice there. Uh, I picked fullback because the Ravens have had a lineage of very awesome fullbacks. Um, and a lot of people probably th are thinking maybe a Kyle use check. Uh, I'm picking it. You might not even know who this is, but Leron McLean. Uh, he was an absolute bruiser you know I could have picked a Vontae Leach who was also a bruiser uh the difference with Leron McLean which fun fact he's actually cousins with Rolando McLean who is an Alabama linebacker in 
2004, LaRon McLean, uh, Willis McGee, he was their running back at the time, and he was always dinged up or had little nagging injuries. LaRon McLean as a fullback stepped in and had 902 rushing yards. Imagine having a fullback on your team that all of a sudden was like, yeah, that's okay. I can step in has 902 uh, rushing yards, uh, put up another 19 receptions as a fullback, 19 receptions for 123 yards. Uh, He had 10 rushing touchdowns and one receiving yards again as a fullback that just got the rock because of circumstance. So I picked Leron McLean. Two wide receivers. This one was uh, quite tough again. Honestly, I, I did my O and my D today. I had a lot more trouble with my O. I picked uh, Anquan Bolden as my one receiver. He was with the Ravens for only three years, but he was such a pivotal part of that Ravens Super Bowl run. Uh, you know, he just was everything a Raven embodied. He's tough. He's physical. He just, anytime you needed a first down, he was your guy to go to. And the other wide receiver I picked was Derek Mason. Um, Again, he spent uh, six years with Baltimore, had, uh, uh, I want to say, four or 5,000-yard season. So he put up all the numbers, so I picked him as my other wide receiver. Uh, For tight end, um, I think a lot of newer Ravens fans are going to say Mark Andrews. Maybe some of them say Dennis Pitta, but the real answer here is Todd Heap. Um, Heap. Everyone loves Todd Heap. Uh, if you were too young to know who Todd Heap is, got to go back and watch some of that stuff. Very underrated Raven. Uh, for their offensive line, left tackle, I have Jonathan Ogden. It's a no-brainer. He's a Hall of Famer. Uh, the first draft pick in team history lives up to expectation. Like It's a storybook ending. Uh, for their left guard, here's where I was like a little flexible with my positioning because, uh, some people might've said like, oh, Marshall Yanda, cause he played a season at left guard. But then I was like, no, Marshall Yanda also played right tackle. He also played right guard. I can kind of move him around wherever I want him to be. So I picked Ben Grubbs as my, uh, left guard. He uh, was with the Ravens for five seasons. Obviously, he priced himself out of Baltimore, but he was just, you know, even to this day, he's still a really effective guard. He he was durable. He played a lot, a uh, bit of a mauler. Uh, center, I have Matt Burke. Um, again, came towards the end of his career. He was with Minnesota for a long time came to Baltimore. He was another pivotal part of that uh, 2012 Ravens Super Bowl run. Never missed a game in his four years in Baltimore. Was kind of like just that solid middle piece for that team. Right guard, I alluded to earlier, Marshall Yanda, one of my favorite Ravens of all time. Um, Fun fact in that uh, 2016 season, he was dealing with I can't remember what the shoulder injury was, but it was so bad that he, they were going to do off-season surgery um, on his right shoulder because he couldn't, or whatever shoulder it was, he couldn't take the hits on that shoulder. And instead of taking the season-ending surgery, 
he was like, why don't you put me at left guard so that they don't hit that shoulder? And he played at, you know, a Pro Bowl level on the other side. And um, I'm not really much of an offensive line expert. I go to a guy uh, on Twitter. His name's Cole Jackson. He's fantastic to follow, whether you're a Ravens fan or not. He knows everything offensive line. Um, I don't know how the difference works, but I can only assume it's pretty damn difficult to like play most of your career in one spot and then just be like, oh yeah, you need me to move over like just to the other side. Yeah, it's just the same. It's just mirrored. I don't think that's really easy. Uh, he also played a couple seasons at right tackle cause they needed him there. Um, yeah, one of my favorite Ravens of all time. And this is where I'm probably going to take a little bit of flack from you, but uh, I actually put Ronnie Stanley at my right tackle <laughs> just because I wanted him on there. Like he's in such a short amount of time. He's been so good for the Ravens. I think if I had to pick a true right tackle, a guy who's played right tackle, obviously a lot of people are going to do the recency bias of wanting Orlando Brown Jr. there, who was very good. Uh, but if I had to pick a true right tackle, I would actually pick Michael Orr. he put more time in with the Ravens, uh, again, was, you know, just a solid part on that other side of the line when you needed to have him there. Really cool story to follow. Obviously we talked about that with, uh, you know, having the movie, the blind side made after him. So that is my starting 11. Where are you at? Yeah. Um, I, I wanted to let you talk there. Um, so I, I made a couple of notes. Um, I, I just, I, I, I kind of chuckled to myself when you were obviously deciding between Lamar and, uh, and elite uh, sugar Shane Falco. Um, <laughs> you were just thinking kinda, back to Sarah. It, 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 yeah, exactly. It brought me back to the, to the episode that we had Sarah on and, and uh, you know, having, having you guys choose between those two on the third down. Um, so yeah, it, uh, and I, I, I just, I'll, I'll never forget Sarah's reaction when, <laughs> when I asked her to pick. Um, so I definitely was laughing at that so a funny. little bit. Um, with your lineup, I was fully expecting you to pick either two running backs or a running mm. back and a fullback. So I'm not surprised at all that you did include, L- L- uh, Leron McLean, which did he not, he played for the chargers too, right? Uh, was that after the Ravens? I, let me check. I'm not 100% sure on that one. I just, he, I, I, for some reason. Uh, yeah, so he went to Kansas City for a year and then to San Diego for the last two years of his career. Okay. Yeah. yeah. For some reason, I just, he, he, neck roll? Did he have a neck roll? Well, I mean, the, the good mark of a fullback is that their neck starts at the bottom of their earlobe and, like, goes to the outside of their shoulder. So, Trying to pick between him and uh, Vontae Leach. Obviously, you probably remember Vontae Leach from his time with the Texans. Like yeah. This was just a mean-looking dude. Uh, I had a really hard time not picking Vontae Leach because he was such a massive part of what propelled Ray Rice to be so great. Uh, he was a huge part of what brought that team to a Super Bowl. Um, but I, I went with Leron McLean. Like I, I've, I don't know if I've ever seen a fullback step up like that and almost put up a thousand rushing yards season. Um, yeah, so totally. Um, couple other things. Um, I'm surprised you didn't include Steve Smith. Yeah. He's uh, in my, he's on my I, queue here. 
I, I'm, I'm glad you didn't because like you went with Anquan Bolden. And if you went with Steve Smith, I was going to give you uh, a little bit, a little bit of crap for including uh, two transplants on your list. Yeah. Um, but yeah, hard to. I'm, I'm sure it was hard to exclude the guy. Yeah. If we're going like favorite Ravens, uh, yeah, it's hard to keep him off. I also thought about, you know, when he came to Baltimore, he was 35 years old. In that first year, he put up over a thousand yards when he was supposed to be this guy way over the hill. Uh, his second yeah. year, he puts up 670 yards and uh, tears his Achilles at 36 years old. Uh, so he was on pace for well over a thousand yards at 36 years old, comes back from an Achilles that late and puts up 800 yards in just 14 games. Like he was so fun to watch, like so un incredibly fun to watch. Yeah. Um, and then the, the, the last comment I was going to make was just about, you know, you talked about Marshall Yanda uh, switching, you know, which side of the line he was on. Yeah. Um, and, and you're right. It, 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 I mean, lots of guys have talked about this in the past where it's, it, it's a muscle memory thing, right? Like yeah. their, their, their hips are, are used to turning a certain way. Um, so I, I do get a bit of a kick out of the fact that you included Ronnie Stanley, uh, moving from the left side to the right side, uh, in your starting <laughs> 11, just cause you wanted them on there that bad. I, I did um, want them on there that bad, but I thought I would include Michael or just, because that was kind of a chintzy. Then Michael Orr would probably be the the other one, yeah. If I had to, um, yeah. Uh, but no, it, I mean, it's, you're not going to hear me say anything about uh, about your starting eleven. I think, I mean, I probably don't know enough about the Ravens to really say like, no, like you're wrong, Steve. Like, no, I, I think you did uh, a really good starting eleven. Um, That's the first compliment you've given me in 22 episodes. I'll take it. I know. God, <laughs> I'm getting soft in my old age here. <laughs> um, my starting 11 for the Seahawks offense. Um, again, uh, we didn't discuss uh, lineups. Um, so I ended up going three wide receivers. Okay. Um, which was tough. Really, really tough. Um, because not including a guy like Max Strong on my starting 11 was, uh, was a hard decision to make, uh, or we're, you know, talking about fullbacks. There's even a guy, uh, I mean, this is before my time, but, uh, John L Williams hmm. was a fullback for the Seahawks who in his eight years that he played with the Seahawks had almost 4,600 rushing yards as a, Holy. yeah. So, I don't know if he was a true fullback, I, um, but he is, he's listed as a fullback, um, for his position, but yeah, so Crazy. eight years, uh, 4,600 rushing yards. But again, that's before my time. So if I were to have gone with a fullback, it, it would have been Mac strong. Um, I guess that's my, my honorable mention, um, starting that quarterback. Um, again, I don't think there's any surprise here. Um, I love Matt Hasselbeck, um, but it has to be Russell Wilson, um, he owns pretty well every Seahawks passing record at this point. If he doesn't own it already, he's going to own it soon. Um, so again, had to go with, uh, with Russell, Russell Wilson at running back. Um, I'm sure I'm going to take some heat for this one. Uh, Sean Alexander. Uh, and 
I, I know you're an Alabama guy, um, so I'm, I'm not necessarily saying heat from you, but I'm sure there are going to be people maybe reaching out on Twitter. And again, like Steve said, uh, if you guys disagree with me, please let me know. But um, there's only one Seahawks player in history that has won the league MVP. <laughs> and it's Sean Alexander. Yeah. And doing it from um, a running back spot. Holy yeah, Sean Alexander is he, he won the league MVP. He at one point held the the record for most touchdowns in a season um before Ladanian Tomlinson beat the record the following season. Um he has the most rushing yards in Seahawks history by a large margin for anyone that thinks it should be Marshawn Lynch. Uh Sean has just under three thousand more yards rushing than Marshawn did as a Seahawk. I, I would have to look at all time numbers. Um, you know, maybe include what, what Marshawn did in, in Buffalo, but even then, um I think yeah, recency so Mar- bias would have those fans say Marshawn should be the answer. Oh absolutely. Yeah. Mar- Marshawn ended up just over ten thousand rushing yards. Just with um, the Seahawks. Which, no no total oh, okay. career. So including this time in Buffalo and Oakland, he ended up at 10,400. Um, so he ended up a thousand yards greater than Sean. Um, but again, um, I'm going Sean Alexander all day. Uh, he doesn't get the respect that he deserves. Um, not only league wide, but as a Seahawk even, because again, recency bias, everyone loves Marshawn Lynch. Everyone loves beast mode, the beast quake, blah, 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 blah. <laughs> Don't get me wrong. I love Marshawn too, but it's, uh, it's number 37 for me. Yeah. Um, left tackle, no brainer here as well. It's Walter Jones left guard. Also a no brainer. It's Steve Hutchinson. Mm-hmm. Um, when the Seahawks, you know, in the two thousands, in those Matt Hausbeck, in those Sean Alexander years, it was no surprise. It wasn't a secret. They were running left. <laughs> and they dared you to stop them. And, I remember you telling me stories about this. Yeah. And it just Hutch and Big Walt opened the biggest holes for Sean, Sean to run through. Uh, and, you know, whatever guy that may have still been left there, Max Strong cleaned him up. And, uh, you know, Sean Alexander had, had just like, I mean, and that's probably why so many people love Marshawn. It's because Marshawn, you know, he's that bruiser. He's going to run, you know, run through a mother effer's face. Uh, Where Sean Alexander was more so of a, you know, agility. Um, As big as he was, he didn't, he didn't, you know, um, I guess welcome contact as much as Marshawn did. He kind of tried to avoid it, Um, especially towards the end of his career. And um, that's probably what ended up with him out of town. Yeah. Um, At Center. Now, there's a couple caveats here. Um, I, I've got a couple guys get on my list here that are asterisked um, because they may have been in Seattle, but they didn't contribute enough to like be con- included in my starting eleven. Like, so at center, Kevin uh, Mawai. M- M- um, I mean, he had a great career. He's in the Hall of Fame, but it's not because of what he did in Seattle. Uh, it's because of what he did in New York. And I think he played with Tennessee as well. Um, so at center, I have Max Unger. Um, 
I think Seattle, Justin Britt was good after Max Unger left, but um, I think Seattle, looking back, probably wouldn't have done that trade um, for for Jimmy Graham hmm. uh, to trade away Max Unger. Uh, right guard, this is definitely some recency bias on my behalf. Um, Damian Lewis. Um, he, he was a rookie last year, and I'm including him in my uh, all-time Seahawks starting 11. And he's not even playing right guard this year. He's moving over to the left side. Um, <laughs> <laughs> but he is a right guard, I guess, by trade. So he's he's having to figure out things now with his muscle memory and his hips and all that other crap that comes with being an offensive lineman. Um, I mean, I, I looked at kind of the all-time list of, of, I guess, Seahawks offensive guards. It's not a list of of guys that are like, oh, my God, like, I can't believe you're not including this guy. So I, I had to include Damian Lewis. He was really impressive as a rookie. And I think he's just going to improve from here. Um, right tackle, I have Sean Locklear. You're probably wondering who the hell is Sean Locklear, Chris? <laughs> I, yeah, I see. Just to your be head like and... fully transparent, I have a list right before you started of the 11 guys that I think he will pick with having very, I guess, minimal Seahawks uh, knowledge and right tackle and right guard. I both have question marks because yeah. I, I literally could not think of one worthy of putting in the spot. So it's no doubt. Yeah. I don't know who this is. Yeah. The, the, the Seahawks have uh, question marks for those positions <laughs> for pretty well their entire existence as well. Crazy. Um, Locklear was there again in the, um, you know, when the Seahawks made the run to Super Bowl 40, um, you know, so in those kind of mid 2000s, Locklear was there on, on the right side uh, when Walt was there, when Steve Hutchinson was there. Honestly, if, I, if I'm being perfectly honest, I guess it was really hard for me to not include that entire offensive line. Yeah. Uh, Walter Jones, Steve Hutchinson, Robbie Tobeck at center, Chris uh, Gray at right guard, and Sean Locklear at right tackle is really hard not to include those five guys because that offensive line, I guess as far as continuity goes um, and and production, they were probably um, the the best unit the, the um, for for the offensive line that the Seahawks have ever had. Um, so yeah, so I, I went with Sean Locklear cause again, there's, there's not a long list of guys to say like, Oh no, it should have been this guy. Like Brandon shell has been good. Um, but again, I guess this is going to be funny to say after just including the rookie Damian Lewis, <laughs> but after only having one season in Seattle, it's hard to include Brandon shell. Um, plus he didn't play all 16 games last year. He, cause he did get hurt. Uh, Damian Lewis played it a little bit at center last year, a little bit of right, mostly at right guard. Now he's moving, moving to left guard. Did DJ um, Fluker ever play tackle for the Seahawks or was he just a guard when he was there? Fluker? Yeah. He was right guard as well. He was a guard. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. He was right guard as well. Um, I really liked DJ Fluker when he was in Seattle. Um, but again, my recency bias took over there and I, sure. I had to go with, uh, with, with Damian Lewis there. But yeah, I was I was a big fan of, of Fluker. Um, I was a little upset to see him go last season, um, but after seeing how Lewis performed, I I was like, oh, well, not not that big of a deal, I guess. <laughs> um, at uh, tight end, 
uh, another wasteland position for the Seattle Seahawks. I think oh I might have gotten goodness. this one wrong. I, I couldn't think of who to pick here, but I got it was one like, name. I was like, oh my god, do I pick like, do I pick Jeremy Stevens? Do I pick John Carlson? Do I pick <laughs> Mike Tice? Yes, the, uh, the the Minnesota Vikings longtime head coach, Mike Tice, was a uh, tight end for the Seattle Seahawks at one point in time. Do I pick Will Disley? Do I pick? Uh, oh God, just so many, so many options here at tight end. Like, how do I, ch- how do I choose one? Yeah. No, I'm just kidding. It's Jimmy Graham. Like oh, it has really? to be Jimmy Graham. Yeah, it has to be. Um, okay. it has to be, it's uh, again, it, it's a wasteland of a position. Um, the Seahawks haven't had, you know, world beaters at tight end. Um, Will Disley's been good in spurts, but he hasn't managed to stay healthy um jeremy i was a big fan of jeremy stevens um but looking back at the stats and look at the numbers he actually wasn't as good as i remember him being um what about, so yeah it, so it, i had zach miller was he not like was um, he not pretty I, I and again i'm going on somewhat recency bias of you know since i've been playing fantasy football have i ever picked a seattle seahawk and i feel like i remember zach uh being somebody that you could pick up as not as like like you said not a world beater tighter tight end but somebody who you could get production out of was he in your conversation he he wasn't and that, that's probably a, a a good question. Um, he was certainly important to the Seahawks Super Bowl run um, in 2014. Oh, technically. 20, uh, yeah. Yeah. Technically 2014. <laughs> I 20, hate when that 2013 <laughs> season, but yeah. 20, I just remember because it was the same year that Olivia was born. Right. So it was, it was 20, Olivia's a Super Bowl baby. <laughs> regardless of what, regardless of what Nadine tells you. <laughs> My daughter's a Super Bowl baby. Don't listen to my <laughs> wife. Um, <laughs> um, yeah, Zach Miller, like, like I said, he, he was super important to that Super Bowl run. Um, he was a really good, I guess, inline blocker. Um, you know, came up with some some catches when needed. Um, but I completely forgot he played for the Seahawks. So, mm-hmm. well, maybe that's I don't a little know, telling, like, though. Maybe that's somewhat right? telling that he was kind of forgettable, I guess. Yeah. Right. Like, and, and I mean, I guess even then, like, so that 2013 season, um, Nadine and I actually went to a game. Uh, Nadine's one and only Seahawks game that she's been to. We saw them play the Jacksonville Jaguars and Zach Miller <laughs> had a touchdown that game. But wow. if you hadn't just mentioned his name, I wouldn't have thought of that. So, Interesting. Um, yeah, so again, I, I had to go with Jimmy Graham, um, even though, God, that trade was such a like knee-jerk reaction to how uh, Super Bowl Forty Nine ended, hey? Right. Like, right. oh, Malcolm Butler intercepted us. Let, let's trade for Jimmy Graham. That we can do like back shoulder fades too, but he's not the same Jimmy Graham that was in New Orleans. Perfect. No. Oh, yeah, exactly. Um. God, so wide you got receivers. three wide this, receivers. And this is where I struggled the oh, most. Yeah. I can't like, wait to hear this. Big time struggled the most. I um, feel like I, I know course, what two of them are. You already know what two of them are? I think, feel like right? I know what two of them are. Okay, okay. But okay. I, I do have my list here. I hope I, I can surprise you. Okay. Um, 
I didn't include Jerry Rice. <laughs> yeah, I, I didn't think so. I didn't think he would because just because of a short. Yeah, I, I didn't yeah. have Jerry Rice's mind just because he wasn't yeah. a great Seahawk. Yeah. Fun yeah. fact. I was at the game when Jerry Rice had his best game as a Seahawk. So there's that. Just it's kind Minus. of the same reason why I didn't include. Uh, I'll, I'll kind of give this one away into next week. Why I didn't include Deion Sanders in my yep. my starting defense. Like, is there a case for those guys that are like all time greats that you know show up on the tail end of their career? Do you go on the accolades before? But yeah, I didn't include uh, prime time in mine. Probably for the same reason you didn't include Jerry Rice in yours. Exactly. Um, so, yeah, so didn't include Jerry Rice. I didn't include Joey Galloway, which is a little tough. Um, but again, Joey Galloway as a Seahawk is before my time. I associate Joey Galloway with the Buccaneers. OK, hmm. let's get into my actual list. Uh, Steve Largent. No brainer. No brainer. No brainer. Um, he held the record for most touchdowns uh, in a career um, when he retired. I mean, of course, Jerry Rice has since broke that record, uh, but Largent held that record with 100 touchdowns. Crazy. Wide receiver. Uh, so I'm going to have Largent in my slot. So just to give you, um, I guess, kind of a, a heads up as to why I went with what I did. Okay. So L- Largent's in the slot. DK Metcalf is on the outside. Definitely got that yep. one wrong. <laughs> Okay. Yeah, I, I, I think with what he's already done in two years, um, his projection and, and his career um, arc, um, I, I couldn't not include him. Um, right. and, and again, it's going to make sense um, because, again, having him on the outside as the monster that he is, the deep threat that he is... Um, I just I, I had to include that that big body wide receiver. Okay. This one's really gonna shock you. Okay. What, it, let's see it's if not, it does. It, it's not Tyler Lockett. Okay. Here's my list. It's not Doug Baldwin. Oh no way. Okay. Uh-huh. That did shock me then. And this one, this is where I struggled was with Baldwin. Hmm. If I had included Baldwin, so Baldwin and, and Largen are both 5'10". Yeah. Um, so they're both kind of that, I guess, like slot receiver type build. Um, although I know Lockett or uh, Baldwin did play a little bit on the outside during his career. Um, again, I'm talking about those, you know, early to mid 2000 Seahawks and the respect that Sean Alexander does not get given. Another wide receiver that does not get given the respect who played with the Seattle Seahawks during that era is Daryl Jackson. Okay. And you probably don't know who that is, and I'm okay with that. Yeah. Um, Daryl Jackson was like, he was Matt Hasbeck's wide receiver one. He was Matt's go-to guy. I mean, if it was third down, Matt was probably going to Bobby Ingram. Um, but Daryl Jackson was like the guy, um, stats wise, um, Baldwin had just over 6,500 receiving yards in a, in his career. 
Uh, Jackson had just over 6,400 receiving yards. Um, but the games played, uh, there's like a 27-game discrepancy between Baldwin and Jackson. Mm-hmm. So had Jackson played more games with Seattle, it would have been that much closer. So Baldwin's number three in receiving yards for the Seahawks. Daryl Jackson's number four. Um, which I just want to say, I'm sure some people are like, how did you not include Brian Blades? Again, before my time, people. Um, (laughs) So I went with guys that I know. Um, But yeah, D-Jack just did not get the, does not get the respect that he deserved as a Seattle Seahawk. He was really good. Doug Baldwin, again, I I struggled not including Doug Baldwin. But again, Baldwin's 5'10", D-Jack is 6 foot, 6'1", 6 foot, 6 even, something like that. So, Metcalf, D-Jack on the outside, Largent in the slot um, was kind of my, my my thought process there. So Interesting. Yeah, yeah. I, I went Baldwin and Lockett, and I was like, I'm sure there's somebody I'm missing, but he's got to pick one of these guys. And I think it's just for the simple reason that I wouldn't have put Metcalf on there because of such a short tenure. Yes, his career trajectory is massive, but the same reason why I didn't put, I guess, you know, Mark Andrews on there as my tight end because, you know. Yeah, but you included Ronnie Stanley. Uh, Yeah, but Ronnie Stanley has been playing for five years now. So has I, he really? Yeah, okay. I, I think it's a little. Yeah, he was drafted in 2016, I believe, 2015 or 2016. So, um, you know, I think there's that threshold of. But again, I picked Lamar. Lamar has not played that many years um, and it's more based on trajectory as well. But I mean, he's got a little bit of um, an accolade. So we're hoping the, the Seahawks, just a little little one. Yeah. We're hoping that uh, (laughs) all of our Seahawk listeners, all of our Ravens listeners, or, you know, if you're a listener of another team, maybe uh, tomorrow morning we'll post something or maybe uh, Tuesday when this episode drops. Uh, if you want to give us your 11 all-time offensive players, I would love to look through everybody's Ravens lists, everybody's Seahawks lists, you know, everybody's Packers lists or Jaguars lists. Like, I, I just love talking about this topic. So if you have those, uh, we'll we'll send out a post and uh, hopefully we can get some responses back and uh, get some things fired up for that. Okay, I just have one last thing to add on with me, including Daryl Jackson in my starting 11, because I know a lot of people are going to be like, how the hell did you not include Doug Baldwin? Which, again, I love <laughs> Doug Baldwin. Daryl Jackson got a touchdown taken away in Super Bowl 40 because of a ticky-tack pass interference call, which changed the entire momentum of that game. And I wasn't going to let him not be on my starting 11 because of a ticky tack decision by one Christopher Phillips. So Daryl Jackson's on there guys. All right. Deal with it. Deal and if with you don't it. like him, go back and watch some, some tape and realize that D Jack was good, man. Yeah. Uh, to be honest, part of my reasoning for wanting Doug Baldwin, do you remember uh, it would have been around 
it would have been right around their Super Bowl run, maybe even just before Doug Baldwin did a signing at Jersey City or did many signings at Jersey City. And uh, so the funny thing about that is obviously they did some signings. I don't think Kamloops or Kelowna, uh, the two places that you and I, I can't remember whether you worked in Kelowna, but obviously I worked at the Jersey City in Kamloops. I worked at the Jersey City in Kelowna. He never made his way to those places, but we got the sort of leftover pictures that would have been sitting in front of him to autograph. And the funny thing about that is, and I don't even know if this person ever figured this out, but there was a a guy, he was the most annoying Seahawks fan. And we, we all have them in our favorite teams And he saw the stack of unsigned Doug Baldwin pictures and he was like, oh, how come I didn't get a signed picture? And was just like putting up this huge stink about not like getting the whatever it was about not getting a signed Doug Baldwin picture. And I just like, you know, those times in customer service where like you have this light bulb go off and you're like, you know what? I'm going to get this guy and he's never like I'm going to totally clown with him. And so I go to the back and I look up Doug Baldwin's signature and I sign Doug Baldwin's signature. And uh, another person I was working with, I won't incriminate the person, um, came to the back and was like, what are you doing? And I was like, does this look exactly like the signature? And they're like, whoa, that's like, that's almost the same. And the only difference we found was Doug Baldwin when he does his number of eight and eight, I'm a figure eight kind of eight person. He's a double loop kind of eight person. And they look just a little bit different. And they said, if you did not do the eight in the eight incorrectly, it would have been unnoticeable. So somewhere out there, I'm quite positive. There is a person who has a signed Doug Baldwin picture from me. So you're welcome for that one. So speaking of Doug Baldwin visiting Jersey City and doing that autograph signing, um, thanks to our good friend, Matt Ferguson, um, (laughs) because Doug Baldwin visited Matt's store in, uh, I think Matt was in Victoria at at the time. And I want to say this signing happened in 2013. That would make sense. Which is the year I got married. And so our good friend Matt got me this. Yeah. <laughs> so I, I'm uh, uh, showing off a signed football from uh, the legit Doug Baldwin. <laughs> and uh, Hold Steven that signature Quish, up one in, more in case time. you're not sure, um, check out the eight. Oh, right. It was 89. Yeah. Oh, yeah. hold it a little more in the yeah. screen. It's, it's all. Uh, you can't see the number in the screen. There you go. Huh. Yeah. So it is so, almost like a figure eight. It's just the top uh, no, of it. No, he, he does two circles, right? It's he two he circles, does a circle okay. and a circle. That, so that's how I, I do. Yeah. Legit yeah, not that, making That's how I up. do my, my eights as well. It's a circle and a circle. Yeah. I couldn't um, remember so what the, number he was, but I was like, I know it was 80 something because I remember the eight in it uh, was the only thing that would. And it Maybe you'll post a clip of this uh, to our YouTube or something like that. You can see Doug Baldwin's signature is not overly hard to copy. It's very scribble, uh, elongated. So, a big D, a big B, and yeah. 
some scribbles. It's not hard. Uh, so that, wouldn't that be ironic if someone was like, hey, I went to Jersey City in 2013 in <laughs> Cologne and I got a Doug Baldwin signature. Uh, you're welcome for that one. It's uh, a yeah. total fake. Nothing will ever beat the time. Again, going back to our Jersey City uh, time, uh, not naming any any names, uh, <laughs> but uh, it was like it was Christmas time, and a dad came in. He was buying his, his uh, I don't know five year old son or something like that, like a uh, Evgeny Malkin jersey for Christmas. And at the time in the store, we had an autographed Evgeny Malkin jersey as well. And the dad goes, oh, man, like my son would freak out if this was an autographed jersey. Like, will one of you guys sign this jersey for me? (laughs) (laughs) And I'm like, nope, I'm having no part of this. Like, not a chance am I doing that. And uh, the, the, the the fellow that I was working with at the time who um, was a junior hockey player, so he was used to signing some autographs here and there, um, was like, yeah, whatever, I'll do it. And I was like, I said to the guy before our my, my, my co-worker signed it, I said, you cannot return this jersey, no return policy. Like, once this happens, like, you are – like we're you're paying for this jersey first, and that's that. Final so yeah, so we paid stamp. for the jersey. Uh, my uh, guy I was working with signed it, and, uh, and and away he went. That's so funny. The things that happened at Jersey City uh, will forever be legendary. So this week we have uh, another very packed mailbag. Uh, you know, Chris and I are very thankful very appreciative that you guys keep reaching out to us for these questions uh quite a few repeat people which we love we love that people want to send us these questions each and every week so first question comes from uh brody talk sports uh this one was last week but i think it came after our episode so you can find uh at brody talk looking for you to each pick three captains from your all decades team for the 2000s and 2010s uh, and 2010s. So pick three captains from the Ravens 20 uh, 2000s team, Ravens 2010, same for the Seahawks. And then in quotation marks, less fighting this time. That was quite nice. Uh, so for me, this one is super, super easy. Ray Lewis is a captain for both teams because he spanned both teams. Ed Reed is a captain for both teams since he spanned both teams. Uh, For the 2000s team, uh, my third captain would be Jonathan Ogden. And for my 2010s team, my third captain would be uh, Terrell Suggs. Super easy. That one kind of like an absolute no-brainer for uh, for me on that one. Uh, Yeah, after some slight technical difficulties there, guys. Uh, my, uh, three captains, uh, which again, thanks, uh, from guys, uh, at Brody sports talk, uh, two thousands, um, no brainer, Matt Hasselbeck, Lofa Tatupu, and my third captain probably has to be Walter Jones. But again, that one's probably inter- interchangeable at Hasselbeck Tatupu are, are for sure locked in. Yeah. Um, 
2010s, again, no-brainer. Russell Wilson, uh, Bobby Wagner, and that third captain. This one's actually tougher for me <laughs> in the 2010s because um, I didn't include him on my starting 11. Let's go with Doug Baldwin. Oh, interesting. But okay. it's really hard not to give it to Richard Sherman. Right. That's where I thought it was going. Yeah. Um, our buddy Ryan from the PP1 podcast, you can find him at Always94. They did. They just finished their uh, 100th episode, which I missed, and I'm in the middle of catching up. Uh, they have a really big NHL guest coming on. So uh, if you guys are hockey fans, specifically Seattle Kraken fans, they are going to have the head coach, Dave Haxtell, of the Kraken coming on pretty soon. So uh, you're going to want to follow them for that one. I know we got a lot of Seahawks fans, so I'm guessing there's a couple uh, Kraken fans. You're going to want to hear that interview. It's going to be pretty cool. So Ryan's asking his first question, who cries more, you or your kids? No brainer, my kids. I'm, I'm sure that um, was a dig at me, but, uh, you know. Whining and crying, I think, are two different things. Um, my Can I say my cry. wife? Ooh. <laughs> <laughs> okay, I and we're you. moving on already. <laughs> she's, she's not listening. It's okay. I hope... You know what? I'm going to say, like, hey, Nadine, you need to listen to, like, the hour 30 marker of this episode. Even, uh, my, even, even Nadine would say it, it, it's her, but no, I mean, really, it, it is the kids, but... Um, I just want to also add, um, you, you mentioned the, the PP1 podcast and how they're getting hacked all on. Um, for any of you guys that are, are cheering for the Kraken this, this upcoming season, it, it's a lot of fun. I'm, I'm following, of course, a lot of the guys on Twitter, and I'm, I'm really enjoying seeing you guys' um, excitement about yeah. the NHL coming to Seattle. Um, I mean, of course, we're, we're going to battle uh, through the season because go Canucks. Um, but it, it, it is a lot of fun um, watching you guys engage and, and be really excited for, for this new team. Honestly, uh, obviously being a Ravens fan, but not being a Baltimore Orioles fan, uh, being an avid Jays fan, it's been a lot of fun in my first kind of full baseball season here. Uh, seeing a lot of those Orioles posts and uh, they get to see my Ravens post. It's just fun interacting with people that you are camaraderie. I don't even know if that's the proper term, but like associated with the same team with, and then having like a difference of opinions on other sports. Uh, Ryan's other question is what team will bring back the wildcat? What a, <laughs> like if you guys know anything about Ryan, he has the most weird, oddball questions and that's what we love about him um i'm going to our friends in jacksonville they got tebow on the roster man um i i did see i should have followed this guy he had a post that said if uh, what was it if trevor lawrence throws a regular season touchdown pass to tim tebow i will buy any any NFL jersey to people who like this tweet and you just need to be following me. I could actually see it going the other way and Tebow passing uh, to Trevor Lawrence, but right. I, I think it's got to be the Jacksonville Jaguars if anybody's going to do it. Yeah, that, that was a fun off-air conversation about uh, the, I mean, 
we we both knew it was the Miami Dolphins, but we were like, who's that running back again? And like, how did it work? And like, we we ended up. I mean, it it, it was Ronnie Brown, and basically we um, got to the end of the conversation. And we we're like, the Wildcat could, Wildcat is basically just the option, but they're snapping the ball to a running back instead of a quarterback. But it, it, it's an RPO play. Um, but yeah, um, the Jaguars is is the easy answer. But I also don't think. Um, to stay on brand and Tebow's not making the final 53. Um, man. I'm going to go with the New England Patriots. Oh, good call. Yeah, with like Sony Michelle, JJ Taylor, Damian Harris, um, all in that backfield. Like there's just, there, there's a lot of options there to kind of just kind of make sense. So. I think if we were both to like preface this conversation, we would probably say none. Uh, but if we had yeah. to pick somebody, right? Yeah, yeah. This is more of a like you know, gun to the head. Like, okay, it's, 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 it's the Patriots, man. <laughs> like, just like, please run the Wildcat. Right. Uh, so, third question comes from I. I don't actually still know how to say this. Uh, hopefully, Adam's listening and he corrects me. But I think it's like Adam Hulse uh, at Adam so. Hulse Sports. Uh, he's firing shots at us again better coach harbaugh or carroll and obviously you're gonna say carroll i'm gonna say harbaugh when i actually looked into some of the statistics behind it to be like yeah i'm gonna come prepared with like a really good argument are these dudes not like in such a similar trajectory of their tenures and their current teams like it is absolutely wild i'm still gonna say harbaugh but i'm gonna say it's so unbelievably close both have a super bowl under their belts both have a winning percentage over uh 600 with their teams uh both of them have a playoff winning percentage of like i think it was 525 and higher both of them have made the playoffs over uh or sorry, have only missed the playoffs about like, I think it was like four or five times in their tenures. Um, Both have 11 playoff wins in their tenure with their team. Like the more I looked into this, the more I was like, oh my goodness, these two coaches could not be tighter in a race if you had to pick one or the other. I think it all comes down to who you like better or what style of coach you like a little bit better. And without playing a bias card, if I could, the thing I that just really turns me off of Pete Carroll is his whole like running down the sidelines and like trying to influence the refs. And he's like, yeah, touchdown. Oh. I, there's just something about him uh, that bothers me just a little bit, and I don't know what it is, but statistically speaking, these are both probably going to be coaches that end up in the top 10 of all time. To like, very <clears throat> frankly, like they're so accomplished as coaches and they're so similar. Um, yeah, so I, I replied to Adam being like, Two weeks in a, in a row, Adam is uh, basically picking violence and, and trying to start a fight on air. Woke up and choosing to which violence. He, to which he, re, he replied a, a, a gif of a guy eating popcorn. So, yeah, <laughs> Adam's looking for fights for sure. Right. Um, I'm going to surprise you here. 
Oh, Harbaugh. you're going with Harvey. I, I think he's done more with less, right? Hmm. Um, Pete had a great college run, um, but Pete, if you look at Pete's NFL history prior to USC, yikes. Not yeah, good, his, right? His time with the Jets um, in New England were not overly successful. No, they weren't good. I mean, I'll, I'll give Pete um, a score as far as like, um, you know, finding talent later in the draft. You know, Russell Wilson was a third round pick. Richard Sherman was a fifth round pick. Uh, I can't remember exactly what round he was picked in, but Cam Chancer was a late pick. Uh, Bobby Wagner was a second pick. So, like, he's done really well that way. But is that um, Pete Carroll or is that your GM? Uh, they work hand in hand. Um, and I, well, I, I was going to say that, right? Like, yeah. I was going to say, like, a lot of people say, well, not John Schneider. Like, no, like, a lot of what John Schneider does, Pete has his hand in in that. Yeah. Uh, he, he's very much involved in the, the the drafting and and the free agents and and all of that stuff um but yeah i i think i just have to go with with um with harba i mean he he's younger he's done less with more i think he's got a uh, coach of the year uh win yeah, under his belt also um and i mean you know like sure seattle you know has been really good for you know under pete's tenure um but a lot of that has to do with the fact that like and again, this maybe you know maybe I should lean more Pete in this sense, but like they hit it out of the park with some you know Hall of Fame type talent with those late picks with Russell Wilson, with Bobby Wagner, with uh, Richard Sherman, Cam Chancellor, Earl Thomas was the first round pick. He was the only one of those guys that was a first round pick, right? So like I I, I think Pete has had and this is no disrespect to the Ravens. Cause I mean, you know, Harbaugh had Ray Lewis. Did he have Ed Reed? Yeah. Okay. Yeah. He yeah, had Ed Reed, but like, again, it was at, it was later in their careers. Right. Um, whereas Pete had these guys in, in, in the prime of their careers. Um, and so maybe, you know, I, I, I think Pete had probably more talent, um, throughout his tenure. Um, and John's done. And and, and I, the other thing with, with Harbaugh, Harbaugh's a lot more adaptable, right? Yeah. Harbaugh is willing to change things based on what he needs to do, based on the talent that he has um, at the helm. Um, I mean, looking look at going from Flacco to Lamar, right? That's a big change. Um, Pete has always been like, this is how we do things, right? Yeah. These are... This is a Pete Carroll cornerback. This is how Pete Carroll runs his offense. He wants to run the ball, right? Like so, like Pete and 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 a lot of Seahawks fans have um, kind of grown tired of that with Pete. Um, so yeah, like, yeah, yeah, it's kind of funny. Like, you you had my last argument there, where obviously you brought up his coach of the year in 2019. Um, being able not only to switch from Flacco to Lamar, but being able to do that mid-season to save your chances of getting into the playoffs. I I don't even I've I haven't been watching football since, you know, the 1950s, but I can't think of a time where that was ever done where a team was like very mediocre in the first half of their year and a coach made an 
like a whole philosophical change to how they were going to run a team uh, to to fully get themselves into the playoffs. So, uh, but I will say that like looking at their coaching tenure and again, just on the teams they are currently with, they are so like eerie similar on what they have accomplished. Yeah. Um, question number four comes from Calvin at Floxy Wood. in honor of the Olympics, build your all sport handball teams. Five players, one goalies, any of the big four sports. Another weird question. Uh, I, I love it. Definitely weird. And uh, so I picked goalie Vasilevsky from the Tampa Bay Lightning. He's big. He's reactionary. I think he'd be do, do great in handball as well. Uh, I've got MLB players. I've got Jacob DeGrom and Araldus Chapman. Both of them are flamethrowers. You need guys that can chuck the ball super hard, but DeGrom also super accurately. I picked Kevin Durant as like a tall, big guy that can like go up, get the ball in a pass and like shoot around you. And then from the NFL, I had to pick Lamar Jackson. He's a freak athlete. I would love to see this guy play handball. And then I also picked Russell Wilson because he is a like a professional baseball player. I think you could have also picked someone like Kyler Murray in there. Um, I think that would be a fun handball team to watch. Um, I did no research. It sounds like you did a lot more research in, into this nope. than I did. Nope. I just um, thought of like big sports. I, I perfect. mean, as a PE teacher, we play handball and I'm like, who would I want to see like on a handball court? Yeah. So, in, in goal, um, I went with uh, with an older fellow than than you did, but I also went hockey. Um, I did Roberto Luongo. Okay. Uh, in in goal, but I'm like envisioning like Luongo in his prime, not uh, Luongo with his messed up hips that we currently have in our lifetime. Yeah. Um, I've got Steph Curry for sure. Okay. Um, just like I, I was watching a couple handball videos and like. You need that guy that's like good from like long range, and and that's definitely Steph. Yep. Um, I don't have any baseball guys. I don't watch enough baseball to oh. really like. Yeah, I don't watch enough baseball. Man, um, my team's gonna ha- just chucking a- heaters past your team. Um, let's go with. Uh, I'm gonna do, and and I know Calvin will will like this. Uh, maybe he won't, but uh, I'm gonna trust the process and go with Ben Simmons. Because you need a guy that's good on defense. He might not be able to shoot, but he can he can play defense. He can stop the other team. Uh, <laughs> I can't wait to hear the flack you're going to take for that one. I love it. I, I consider Joel Embiid because I ain't no bitch, but, uh, but I went with Ben Simmons. Uh, <laughs> um, Russell Wilson, obviously no-brainer there. Yeah. You need a guy that can, uh, you know, like you said, you need a guy that can, you know, really fire the ball in there. Um, that for me, that's Russ, uh, give me how many players, do, what am I at? Like I've got, uh, at Luongo, uh, Russ, Steph, Joel, Simmons. So Simmons. I need two, I need two more oh, yeah. players. Yeah. You need two. Uh, give me Justin Herbert. Yeah. Cause I big fan, big fan of Justin Herbert. And, uh, last but not least, uh, let's just pick a random guy from baseball, uh, give me Vlad. I don't know. Is oh, that's get an interesting. Maybe. I don't know. 
Yeah, I, he can't maybe, use his baseball bat, but maybe he can just like put his like fists together and just smash the ball through. I like it. He might be the sleeper pick, right? That's right. Maybe, I don't know. Yeah. Um, question number five from our buddy Liam. This one came on Instagram, so it's Liam Haggerty. You can find him there. <laughs> Probably the weird. You and Ryan are trying to compete for the weird question of the week, and I love it. Would you rather live the rest of your life regulating body heat like a dog, in brackets, panting excessively with your tongue out? <laughs> Or dealing with negative feelings like a cat, in brackets, hissing uncontrollably. <laughs> um, I hate cats, so I'm picking dogs. And I'm a very, like, warm person anyway, so I feel like I'm panting all the time. I'm picking cat. Um, simply because, like... When, You're just crotchety and uh, negative. <laughs> exactly. Yeah, basically. I'll, I'll never forget from our, our time working at uh, Jersey City and Kamloops. Um, one, of, one of the guys that we worked with there, uh, he, he said to me, he goes, you know, Chris, I feel like your perfect job would be to be like a sports agent negotiating contracts or something like that. Because you have this way of just looking at people and making them feel stupid. And <laughs> <laughs> you're like, yeah, that's why I'm assistant manager yeah. of a sales yeah. department. So I'm assistant to the manager, assistant to um, the regional manager. Yeah. And, uh, and I, I know what my current job, um, that I, I, I mean, I'm very readable. You can see my face and, and realize that I think you're an idiot. Um, so it, I, I figure if I'm just hissing at people, it's that much more obvious. Yeah. You're not, you're yeah. not changing anything too crazy. No, exactly. Uh, Liam's second question, uh, football related here. So if you could add one NFL rule each, what would it be? And if you could remove or change one rule, what would it be? So I couldn't really think of a rule I would add, but something that I know everybody like sports want to be a very offensive driven league. So all the rules are tailored to the offense. Um, I, I wish it would be a little more even. I'm a big defensive guy, so I love seeing defensive battles. I think it's garbage when uh, defensive guys get the short end of the stick like they're trying to make money as well. So any any rule that like really is leaning towards an offensive player, I would change that or maybe just add like a defensive rule to help them out. But the one rule I would change is fumbling into the end zone. Like if you fumble anywhere on the field, you're at, you know, the 50 yard line, you fumble the ball that goes out on the 50 yard line. The ball is dead right there. You fumble it into the end zone and I, is it, the other team's ball, it's a touchback, correct? So yeah. why is it not dead on like the one yard line or something? Why is it the other team's ball? Because it's through the end zone. Or maybe you change it if you fumble it outside of the, you know, the sideline. It's also a turnover. Like there just has to be consistency. But if you want a, a league where offense prevails and they're scoring and it's exciting, Get rid of that rule. It's stupid. I love seeing guys lay out as hard as they can to score the touchdown, but you're seeing less of it because they're essentially getting penalized for that. What do you think? That 
that that rule uh, benefited the Seahawks a couple years ago. Right. Um, I again, like you said, like there's not really something that like I'm like oh like add this, remove that, or like change this. Um, my mine's not so much a a real football rule so much as it is a fantasy football thing. Oh, okay. If a, if if a wide receiver is running down the field, the quarterback throws him the ball, and the DB gets called for pass interference. Oh yeah. And it, I mean, pass interference is is a spot foul, which that's something that could definitely be argued. A lot of people will. Be like, well, offensive PI is a 15-yard penalty. Why is defensive PI a spot foul, not a 15-yard penalty? But anyways, um, add those yards to the wide receiver's total. Um, you know, maybe not, like, like I said, not for actual statistical purposes, um, but for fantasy football purposes, um, I want those stats. Or maybe they just even have, like, a separate category of, like, DPI yards. So you can see yeah. if a guy has like 1,200 receiving yards, but he also just gets hacked all the time and would have added like another 600. You could look at that stat as like 600 potentially catchable yards uh, or even making them like 0.1 of a, a point or something like that. Um, but that's a good one. I like that. Yeah. Um, our friend Jake Vogel uh, at Real Jake Vogel it says list your favorite movie trilogies gave us a couple uh, in the uh, along with the tweet. And I was feeling super sassy because he said maybe include other movies that are in series form. Harry Potter in brackets. And I said, oh, uh, Harry Potter is definitely not a trilogy. Um, he had Lord of the Rings, OG Star Wars five six or four five six uh and then the godfather my like far and above number one trilogy is back to the future i love it it's my like it's my number one far and above what do you have yep um so (laughs) and feel free to uh flame me throw all the shade I have not seen Lord of the Rings. Oof. I have not seen I The Godfather. Yeah, I, I haven't seen The Godfather either. Wow. Nah, yeah. The, okay. Yeah, that one does, like... Um, so what were the other options he gave? Uh, Star. He had Star Wars, the, the original oh, yeah. ones. The OGs. Ha- haven't, haven't seen that. Oh, no. Uh, oh, yeah, right. We already talked I, about this on our episode with Sarah again. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah. Um, and, I, and I haven't seen Harry Potter. Okay. Um, so, uh, over four on the examples that Jake gave. So thank you for Ooh. the question, Jake. Um, some of my, I guess, top trilogies, top series, I guess, cause he included that. Um, I didn't, I did have back to the future on, on my list. Um, I love the blade trilogy, um, yeah, which good. is OG Marvel, yeah. uh, I don't know how many people have seen the Blade trilogy, but that is one of my favorites from uh, from I guess when you know back in my teenage years. Um, Toy Story has to be on my list, absolutely. Yep. Um, I mean, if you want to say trilogies, if you want to say series, um, I don't care. Get rid of number four. I'll include the first three because um, they were fantastic. Uh, the original Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles trilogy, um, and uh, a, you know. A f- 
fun little sleeper. The Mighty Ducks trilogy. Love okay. it. That's a good pick. Yeah. Uh, question number seven from our friend Jay Andrews. We mentioned him earlier at <laughs> Pass the Cheese. Uh, you can find him at UPJ33. What are your thoughts on player empowerment coming to the NFL? Uh, will it, should it? You weren't quite concerned or understanding what he meant. So I think it all stems probably from the NBA, but. You know, if you know anything about us, we are very pro player uh, in terms of making money. I also think that players should get a lot of decisions on where they get to play their career out, um, where they land. I think you're going to start seeing more of these big time players signing contracts that make it so... Um, they have a lot more just versatility in when they can opt out, when they can move. Uh, do they have no movement clauses or do they have a list of teams they would move to kind of like the NHL? Um, I, I think it's great. I think the owners have had the power for so long. The owners still have a, quite a bit of the power. So if the players can get a little more of that power, I'm all for that. Um. Question number eight uh, comes from Marquise from uh, the Cover 4 podcast uh, at Marquise underscore 35KD. I'm sure he's going to like my Kevin Durant answer earlier. He's got five questions here, so we'll uh, we'll run through this one uh, a little quicker. Chris, where do you think the Chan- uh, where do you think Chandler Jones will land? Uh, I think he stays in Arizona. Um, I, I don't think the Cardinals trade him. Um, please trade him. Please trade him outside of the <laughs> NFC West. Please trade him to the AFC. I don't care. Yeah. Um, trade him to Jacksonville, maybe. Uh, but I, I, I think he stays in Arizona. Right. Yeah. I, I know a lot of Ravens fans want to see him there. And um, yeah, I, I'm not certain what the amount of money he would command. Uh, question number two, do the Bills move off of Cole Beasley? I think if they haven't yet already, I'm kind of skeptical that they do. Like, what's what's stopping them from moving off of him already? I, I, I just don't see if they were worried about a PR stunt, uh, they would have gotten rid of him already. But who knows? Like, he's still a very... Uh, complimentary piece to that offense so i i don't necessarily see them moving off of cole beasley question number conversation three. for another oh. time i think they do but oh next question okay yeah. interesting we'll, we'll have to get into that one a little bit um yeah. i'll give this one to you will deshaun watson be on a new team yes um he's gonna report to training camp apparently today um, just so he doesn't, av- or just so he can avoid any fines. Um, but I don't think he plays for Houston in week one where he ends up. I don't know yet. Um, a lot of, a lot of people speculating that it's going to be Philadelphia. Um, but I, I don't think it's going to be Houston. Ooh. Okay. We're going to have to have a chat about that one. Marquise is hitting us with, uh, with some flamethrowers here. Um, will Zeke have a bounce back year? 100%. I have him in my fantasy football team. I want him to have a bounce back year, but look at his numbers when he has Dak Prescott. Uh, The line is good. The receivers are too good. 
they take pressure off of him. He's a very talented back, so 100% he will have a bounce back year. Agreed. Um, final question, buy or sell the Cowboys as a 10-win team? And remember, 17-game uh, season. I'm going to say sell just because it'll piss off my uncle. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> uh, I don't know. Let's see. They have Tampa Bay week one. That's a loss. Chargers week two. Okay, you can't go through the whole. You can't go through the whole roster. Yeah, I don't know. Um, I'm buying it. They're way too loaded. I know their defense is shaky at best but they are way too loaded on offense uh, to not go 10 and seven. Like looking at, I would have said they were 10 and 16. I'm standing by my word. I'm going to sell it. Okay. Nine and eight. Nine and eight. Okay. I I actually think they get to 11 wins. Okay. You got to remember how bad that division is. And they're part yeah, of but, they're part of that badness. Don't get me wrong. Their their division's not as bad as it was last year. No, but if you're the bottom of the barrel in all divisions and you're just not as horrible as you once were, does not make you good. Uh, and I think I just think there's yeah. more competition in the in that division this year. Oh, 100 percent. I think I think a lot of the teams got better. I just yeah. think they're probably the best of that division um you could make an argument that mike mccarthy sucks and that would probably hold them back from winning a lot of games that that, that's not an argument it's just a fact yeah that's just a straight up fact of how (laughs) bad they are um okay that uh that wraps up our mailbag we are at the two hour mark chris this one's uh been a bit of a marathon but it's been nice to have some real nfl crazy stuff going on to get back in the swing of things like we said the dog days of summer are over uh i'm looking really forward to a lot of training camp seeing how the rookies again show up this second time around seeing how they now interact with the vet players uh there's obviously going to be injuries to talk about which is unfortunate because i hate seeing or hearing about guys like season ending injury there's going to be fantasy football drafts Coming up real soon, there's going to be roster battles. There's going to be trades. There's going to be cuts. There's going to be signings. Uh, Getting ready for the season. The dog days are over, and we are super excited uh, to have that football news coming back to us. So like every week, Chris, I give you the last words, my friend. Uh, happy anniversary to the Jamal Adams trade. It is the one year anniversary to the day of that trade. <laughs> Last but not least, happy birthday to my mom. Um, I can't believe I didn't remember that the Jamal Adams trade happened on your birthday last year, which I just, just brutal, brutal. Um, anyways, uh, follow us over on Twitter at ballhawks underscore pod. You can find me at Phillips, Chris 12, Steve at SS Fisher eight, seven. And last but not least, go Hawks guys. Peace. The Podcast Super Friends is a monthly meeting of five podcast producers. Hi, I'm Catherine O'Brien from Branch Out Programs in Baton Rouge, Louisiana. I'm John Gay from Jagged Detroit Podcasts. I'm Matt Kundal from the Sound Off Podcast Network. I'm David Yes from Pod 617, the Boston Podcast Network. And I'm Johnny Peterson from Straight Up Podcasts. 
Together, they form the Podcast Super Friends, an alliance of podcast masterminds sharing best practices, insights, and discussions to help make you a better podcaster. Follow or subscribe to the show on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Google Podcasts, or at soundoff.network. Hi, I'm Logan Anderson, host of the Say the Damn Score podcast. On my show, I deep dive into the sports broadcasting business by, you guessed it, talking to sportscasters. The show has featured big names like Bob Costas, Kenny Albert, and Vern Lundquist, as well as many up-and-coming broadcasters who you may not know yet, but you will know soon. Whether you're looking for professional development as a sportscaster, different career paths, or if you just want to be entertained by hearing some of the best storytellers in the world tell their own stories, this podcast is for you. You can subscribe to the podcast on all major podcast platforms, or you can visit our website, saythedamnscore.com.